Welcome to The Catalyst, where we explore creative ideas to spark innovation in an unhealthy healthcare system. I'm your host, Dr. Lara Salyer, a physician and mom of three who is reimagining the way I practice medicine after suffering and overcoming burnout. Join me as I teach you how to optimize flow and catalyze your own revolution in healing. Tune in for candid conversations with leading experts in conventional and holistic healthcare who dare to believe a better future is possible for all of us. Life is made of teeny catalytic moments of immense impact. When strung together, the transformation is magical. Join us and let's color outside the lines. Welcome to the Catalyst Podcast. Today, we're going to talk to Dr. Kathy Stepien. She is the founding director of the Institute for Physician Wellness. She is a pediatrician in active practice and a certified physician coach. She holds a master's degree in philosophy and practiced physical therapy for 13 years prior to entering medicine. Through her coaching, physician wellness retreats, chief wellness officer training and certification program and other teaching, she has helped thousands of women physicians since starting the Institute for Physician Wellness in 2016. She is the host of the weekly podcast, She Thrives, MD. We talk all about burnout. We talk about the limbic system. If you are listening and wondering, why would I ever want to go on a retreat? The world is not going to stop for me. Is this going to benefit me? You need to hear this podcast. Kathy runs the most amazing retreats that are both restorative, but also actionable. She helps you uncover some of that stuck thinking that we all are subject to. So she'll help you wrestle with that limbic system and reframe your future and infuse more joy into your future path in medicine. So stick around and make sure you listen to the end of the podcast. There's a little special treat, a free little gift. So here is Dr. Kathy Stepien. Oh my goodness, Dr. Kathy, welcome to the Catalyst Podcast. I have been a fangirl of yours, probably longer than you know, uh, trolling your LinkedIn, just kind of watching what you do. And you are such a gift and blessing to so many physicians. I'm very happy to have this conversation with you. You've done so much in the space of physician wellness and burnout and career longevity. So give me a little glimpse of what it's like to be Dr. Kathy and what brought you here today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And it's truly a joy to help physicians with their well-being. Um, Back in 2016, I started the Institute for Physician Wellness. And it I had been considering it for quite some time. And I finally felt like I'm ready. I'm ready to help physicians. Um, And also recognize that when we bring physicians together, one, it's a lot of fun. But two, there's just so much learning and collaboration and healing and growth. And we all rise when we bring people together. So I started out in 2016 offering physician wellness retreats and didn't know what I was doing. Um, I learned a lot in the the first year. (laughs) And um, it's just been truly, truly a, a treasure to be able to start there and keep offering retreats, keep bringing people together and expand my knowledge and what I am able to share with others in the in the area of physician well-being. Um, the the very first year I did it, I I literally just kind of put the word out and I got the web page and but I had I'm not an entrepreneur by nature, um, but I really really believed in the need to bring people together to bring physicians together, and so I thought well 
we do hard things. We figure things out. I can figure this out too. <laughs> and it really is about connection and, and growing. Um, so it's just truly been a joy. What started out as this, this desire to, um, to bring people together really has grown into this, this incredibly um, just fun and expanded um, presence in, in helping with physician well-being. So it's, it's been such a fun ride. That's awesome. And we're so lucky because, you know, even just five, 10, 20 years ago, wellness was not something it was thrown over around as a term, you know, resiliency training, wellness, but this is repackaged. And for those listeners that might be feeling like that word, it feels a little sticky to you and you're kind of annoyed, you know, and you're like, oh, come on, you know, we, we are gritty. We are studies show it. The last burnout conference I went to when Shanafeld was presenting his research, physicians have the highest resiliency rating. We are very gritty, but it doesn't mean that we can't partake in these wellness opportunities or that we aren't taking as good care of ourselves as we could. And I love that there's this legion of physician coaches and and wellness opportunities because it's more than just yoga, downward dogs, and you know, sitting by a beach. Um, studies show that that doesn't help true burnout. What you need are actionable tools. You need that that community, that support, that awareness. That you know, burnout can be terminal, and it can. We lose 400 physicians a year from this. And the more that people like you and I and everyone else talking about steps to to activate and to get involved before it's the end, the better off that we all are. So tell me a little bit about, um, you're in Alaska, you're a pediatrician, and you're juggling these wellness retreats. Tell me what people can learn and what they get to do on these retreats. Right. So yes, I am in Juneau, Alaska, and I um, had to pause about a year ago and really reevaluate um, IPW has just gotten so big and so busy that like, well, do I really want to keep practicing clinical pediatrics? And the, abs- the answer, you know, listening to my heart of hearts was absolutely yes. I went into medicine as a second career. I was 35 when I started med school and um, it was really clear to me. It's like, oh, I'm so not ready to walk away from patient care. I just, I truly love uh, pediatrics. It's, and um, so yes, I continue to practice. I practice part-time. I also, um, we have, we've historically had our fall, winter, and spring physician wellness retreats, and then um, smaller projects in between. Um, And we're continuing to offer a retreat. Actually, our next one's coming up in January at Miraville, Tucson. Um, And that's a a spot we've tended to go to repeatedly every January. And each retreat is a little bit different, a little bit different um, purpose and personalities and dynamics and all of that. Um, but the retreat that's coming up, we're really focusing on the relationship with ourselves. You mentioned that physicians have high resiliency, and we, I think, ha- are too resilient. I think we have too much grit. And I remember reading um, Angela Duckworth's book, I think she's the author, on grit. And I just thought, wow, okay, that's actually, it's probably a trauma response that many of us have, that it's, that it's uh, here, we can, we can grit it out, we can deny our needs in service of others, um, really to the to the detriment of everybody's well-being. Yes. So uh, at at the retreat, we're going to be talking about the relationship with ourselves, what our beliefs are, um, why we might be holding those beliefs, how those beliefs are playing out in our lives, both as physicians um, in and out of a work setting, and 
and turning toward that actually, and really looking at that in a very honest way and figuring out, okay, now what, where are we going from here? So it's almost like the yes. And it's like, yes, yes this is where we've arrived. And, and now what? Oh, I How love we- this. I love, sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. <laughs> I get so excited. I, I have to tell myself, let the guest talk, but I get all excited. So I, I write things down. So keep going, Kathy. I got more questions. <laughs> So I I really believe in the yes and and I think the yet the yes part of it is really turned toward it with honesty and recognizing where we're at why we're at where we're at and really honoring that and the joys and the sorrows and all of that that it contains and then deciding consciously intentionally okay now what where do I want to go from here at this stage in my career you know, as a pediatrician, I'm all about the biopsychosocial development across the lifespan, right? So, um, because we don't just stop developing when we hit 18, these really have growth and change across our careers um, and across our lives. And so to step back and and give attention to where we're at now and the, the choices that we made in our 20s and 30s do they still resonate with where we're at at other stages in our lives? Is this still a good fit? Is this still a good alignment with what matters most to me, with my values, my interests, my priorities? And if so, fantastic. And if not, then what are some baby steps that we can do or big steps to help us align with what really matters to us? Oh, that's beautiful, Kathy. So many of us saying the same song in different harmonies and melodies, because it really does go down to values. And, you know, when burnout is feeling depersonalized, it's because you don't feel that there's a personal part of you in this anymore. You feel so detached. It's that, you know, low perceived achievement, that emotional exhaustion, those three core ideas behind burnout. And sometimes it takes so much for you to even recognize that's what's going on. And I love how you brought it back to values and those values shift. And, and it's expected to shift in your life. And there's nothing bad or wrong with that. But when we don't have an opportunity to pause and reflect on that shift, which in 2020, we all had that opportunity to pause and reflect. And it was a hidden blessing in this post-traumatic growth where we're able to look and unpack some trauma and say, okay, what kind of things do I want moving forward? And I'm sure, you know, you, as well as a lot of the other physician coaches that I've met, we all have a common goal. I would love to see a coach assigned at every medical school, uh, several coaches, you know, and just unearthing this bigger transformation in our culture of how we train our doctors, nurses, and physician assistants. Because, you know, studies show nobody's going to therapy. Although I, I love therapy. My sister's a therapist. I have a therapist. I think everybody should have one. But there's still taboo when it comes to being a clinician. Like you said, too grit or too gritty. And if we're not going to see a therapist, maybe a coach might be a nice way to start to invite this conversation at an earlier turn. Are you, what would be your vision of like improving the way we train our students? Oh, I absolutely believe that every physician should have a coach. Um, We've been talking a lot about retreats here, but uh, the retreats are really the experience and the coaching in person with a group. But I also, of course, you know, I do individual coaching and I have my online um, over Zoom, uh, the virtual group coaching. So, um, so much of this, I think the coaching strategies, the concepts that we can learn and the skills that we develop um, are really essential for physicians. We have, we have high stress jobs, a lot of responsibility, and there's so much joy in our work. And yet at the same time, 
it's a demanding career. So to be working with a coach and help us navigate that so that we can look at, well, what's holding me back here? What's keeping me stuck? How can I keep going forward in a way that is in alignment so that I feel like I'm living a life well-lived, right? I say that phrase all the time, live a life well-lived. And it's like, well, what does that even look like when we're running around and we're, we're trying to get to the kids' soccer game on time and we're trying to, you know, that for, you know, I have a kid who's coming in, in respiratory distress who needs to be admitted and we need orders and we need all the care coordination. And we have, you know, what does that even look like in the busyness of our days? Um, truly, uh, right. what does that feel, what does that feel like? <laughs> yes. I love how you framed it into this typical scenario of even the good joyous parts of being a physician. We aren't even allowed to celebrate. We don't have time. It's like, oh, good job. Move on. You know? And I think that's a tragedy where we need to embrace the yes. And the highs, the lows, you know, and, and emotionally move these through our body. Like, uh, and I forget the creator who t- coined the term emotional potty training, but I forever love that phrase because you know, the good emotions are wonderful, but they can also cause some disruption. So embracing everything and allowing that process to move through you in unique ways and creative ways. Some of us put our hobbies on a shelf when we go into medical school and forget that we used to love to play intramural soccer, or we used to write, or we used to draw. And and what put us into medical school, because we're such a well-rounded person, suddenly we're told not to rely on that as a coping structure. And then we're isolated. And so I love that you're bringing people together in a group setting and thank goodness for Zoom, um, allowing all of us to provide structure and community when we might feel isolated in our own institution. Um, What would you say is if there's any, you know, what do people learn? If someone's listening now and they're a bit naive with what a coach can do, or maybe in their institution, they've heard coach is used in a different scenario. And they're thinking, why would I need a coach? Tell me a little an example about what coaching can do for a physician. So there's all different types of coaches and all different coaching t- coaching backgrounds and training programs, right? So I don't think we can just say that X, this is what a coach looks like. Very and true. we just had we just had the physician coaching summit, which was a group of there were there's over three or four hundred physician coaches that I know right now in the U.S. And um, 55 of us got together uh, last week, or two weeks ago in, um, in San Antonio for a big meeting. And it was wonderful. So people could present, you know, this is the research I'm doing and working with um, medical students or with uh, fellows and residents. And this is the group that I'm working on. And so we could all learn and grow as physician coaches. But also when I looked across the room, it was so fun just to see we're all shining in our own way with our own backgrounds, bringing our own experience. And I think that's an important piece of it, that there's, it's not like there's one coach that has everything for everybody. There's, and, and I think even as a physician looking for a coach, there may be times where a particular coach is a great fit and other times where that particular coach might not be the right fit. So I think it's important that a physician will step back and say, okay, what am I struggling with? What am I hoping to gain from coaching? And um, who could help me best with that right now? Oh my um, goodness. I, I have to just pause real quick, Kathy, and say, I try not to have any leading questions hoping for an answer. But this one was a beautiful answer that I was I was so surprised that you said, but also very happy because you're right. It isn't like 
everybody is the same coach. There's so many different modalities of coaching, you know, ACT, cognitive behavioral. I mean, so positive solutions, focus, all these things. And I love how you're presenting it like, hey, you know, try and, and figure out deep inside what you might be looking for or needing. Is it clarity? Is it support? And and just finding the right fit for you. And sort of like a hairstylist, if you find one that didn't cut your hair right, doesn't mean all hairstylists are bad. Just keep looking. So what would you say is it is something that you would advise somebody who's feeling like they're in a moment of hemorrhage, you know, quite literally, they feel so just lost and and feeling stuck. It, what would you advise them to do? Oh, such a good question. Thank you for asking. Because I really, I, I love helping physicians who are feeling stressed or stuck or um, or exhausted and overwhelmed. Just that place where, you know, we, so many times physicians will share with me, I went into medicine to help people and I don't feel like I'm helping people. I'm just trying to survive, right? And it breaks my heart because like these are just the most incredible, wonderful human beings who are smart and helping. Uh, helping others and have committed to a life of service and just wonderful human beings and they're miserable <laughs> and it just, it, it kills me. So right. to be able to work with physicians who might be feeling stuck and say, okay, what is it? What's going on in your mind and body that is keeping you stuck? What beliefs do you have? What habits do you have? How is this playing out for you in your day-to-day routine? I think so often we're just kind of in go mode that we don't, take a pause to even reflect and re- and consider. And you asked earlier about what can a coach look for? What could a coach expect? And I think that's one of the things I love. There are some coaches who specifically work with med students and residents and fellows. And I think the earlier we work with those of us who are in, in these professional roles, the earlier in our training that we can develop some of these skills and, and coaching concepts I think it has this ripple, this downstream effect with all of us. Um, I often work with physicians who are already established in their careers. I work with any, you know, with younger, uh, newer physicians as well. But often I I find physicians, we connect well, those who are, um, they've been doing this a little while and it's just not feeding them like they want. They're just not loving their life. They're not in their groove, they're kind of going through the motions, wondering how much longer they can keep it going on. And I can tell you this happens regularly where someone will schedule a Zoom meeting with me. And maybe you have this happen as well, where we'll talk for a little bit and then it's kind of the damn breaks. I don't know how much longer I can keep Yes. And it's just heartbreaking. It is. And it's so sad because it's like, you don't want to admit it, you know, and you can see this breaking down because it's a grief. It's a, it's a state where you feel like your reality is not meeting your expectation. And it's like a taboo secret. And to have somebody like yourself across the screen, be safe and say, I can hear, I can witness your pain and together we can help. I mean, that's so supportive. So wonderful. It, It is. And I think what's really interesting is that when we're in that place, our, it's not available to our brain to see that, right? To Darn limbic system, <laughs> right? Darn primitive brain. <laughs> yeah, and we, and, and we convince ourselves we feel so stuck. Oh my and gosh, this, like, yes. 
<laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. And I feel like we could talk for like three hours on this, on the whole stuck thing. I, one of my favorite books is the science of stuck and how our brain, you know, because sometimes succeeding is actually something we don't want. It means a lot more responsibility. And then all these other ways we get stuck in perfectionistic thinking. And like you, you talked about the limbic system, it blocks our most logical parts of our brain that can say, Hey, you're okay. And this is my mission is tapping into that via the back door of creative flow, because that can allow you to access those primitive parts a little easier. But I love that you're bringing this up. And I'm sure the colleagues that partner with you feel so seen and validated when you're able to say, Hey, this is, this is not you, you're, you're stuck, you know? Yeah. Right. And it's interesting because when we are in that stuck place, we are so convinced and there's this, oh, but you don't get it. Or I have this or my student loans or whatever it might be like, oh, we do this. Every single one of us do this. Um, and it can be really hard to believe that it's possible to love your life inside of medicine. Like it's really hard when you're in that place. It's so hard to believe it. It's almost like, well, you don't understand how bad things are. And I'm like, oh my God, all of us say that that's how our brains work. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kathy. I know. I know. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And I can't, and as I'm about to, I'm about to ask you a question that I can't even answer when I work with physicians, clients, and other people is what is that aha moment for them? And it's all different, you know, because we all get stuck in, well, you don't understand my reality. You can't understand how my hospital is different than yours or how my situation is different because I have this, this, and this going on. But then when you start to see the little bits of autonomy that you can show somebody, just take a little bit here and there, and then you start to feel that power shift. What would be, an, do you have a, an, a, an example of something that you can share about how that can open up your brain and maybe dampen that limbic system a bit? Do you have any favorite case studies or examples or ways that you like to work with a client? Hmm, so good. Good question. I I think I come from a, a cognitive behavioral therapy uh, foundation through the life coach school. I also did coach training in a very somatic um, trauma responsive um, program. My first career was in physical therapy and I, I didn't have language for it. I didn't understand it, but I, I knew what I was seeing on my patients that patients that um, the body does keep the score and there, there wasn't words for it, but it was like, wow, there's so much more going on here than with this chronic neck pain or chronic back pain or knee injury or whatever it might be. Right. So um, I knew that as I've moved into coaching, that understanding that not everything we do is rational and logical. We can't just, as much as we love, because we're so smart and I'm, I'm the same way. I try to think myself outside of the box. And, mm -hmm. and it's like some of these problems can't be figured out just logically and rationally. They need, we need to do some healing and we need to do some feeling forward, not just thinking oh. our way forward. I so, love that. That's so right, Kathy. Being a physical therapist is tapping into the body's inner wisdom first and sometimes just trusting and saying, okay, humor me here. We're going to do some somatic things. We're going to have you name your emotion, right? We're going to have you locate where's the address? Where does it live in your body? You know, let's let's do some shaking or dancing or singing or whatever. Um, for me, it's it's drawing or you know, something. And I I bet you start to see slivers of change in their mindset and perspective. And that's got to be so joyous. It's totally joyous. It's like, it's the most fun thing to be able to help other human beings along this whole path that we're on, right? Not to sound too new agey, but I feel like we're all walking each other home. And 
yes. to um, to be able to be a part of that and help physician colleagues. Truly, some of the most incredible people on this planet. It's just truly an, an, a joy. I think one of the ways that um, that you asked before, like you know, what are some of the things that can help? And like when we are in that stuck place and we don't feel like there's it's just hard to know um, how to move forward or, or we try certain things or we, you know, people take vacations or whatever it might be. And then kind of back in that same uh, just survival mode, not really enjoying things. Um, I think one of the things is to uh, slow down and, and just give ourselves that pause, give ourselves permission to pause um, and each other permission to pause so that we can begin to even know what's going on. We walk around in our heads, right? We just, we're like physicians, we're just all in our heads. And so to yes. reconnect with, well, what's it, what's going on in my chest right now? What's going on in my throat? Um, why am I, why do I clench my jaw? Why am I grinding my teeth at night? Like what's going on there? Oh. And, and just kind of re-inhabit that, that body of ours and coming home to ourselves and and from there, the whatever cognitive shifts we have, whatever new knowledge and skills we develop, the the brain, you know, the limbic system's dialed down a bit, and we actually can have higher order thinking and see things more intuitively and clearly about, oh yeah, this is what I love to do, and this is actually what I don't want to be doing anymore. It just kind of opens the world up to new ideas and new potential. One of the questions we often ask as a coach, and you know this, is what else is possible or what else could be true? And when we're in a state of hyperarousal and we're activated or triggered or just exhausted, to be honest, when we're just exhausted and then the EMR locks up or whatever it is on yes. top of that exhaustion, it's like <laughs> that one more thing. We can't access those ideas of, well, what else could be true? What else is possible? So to be able to get into our bodies and, and slow down a bit, catch a breath, become aware of of what it's like to be a human being walking around oh. this planet um particularly um for those of us who've really denied our humanity right we've denied our bodily needs our need for food and sleep and whatever it might be for our need for connection and and all of the things that kind of fill us back up to be able to become open to that a little bit allows our brains to figure out the next steps. It's like, oh, aha, of course. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that you said aha. That's that's the framework that I love using for, you know, channeling that inner flow because you're right. I think we get corralled. You know, we're told it'll get better when. It'll get better when you graduate. It'll get better after vacation. It'll get better when you get the new MA in. It'll get better when you're here. It'll get better there. And then you're used to it never getting better. It only gets different and it only gets hard. And there you are, you know, wondering, well, okay, now your brain is thinking in black and white thinking. Well, it's all or nothing. Oh, what am I going to do? It's either stay here or suffer. Um, and there's no other choice. And I love how you're saying there's a lot of choices, but we just need to warm up that brain and thaw that limbic system a bit. And it can take some little tiny steps, but that's the brilliant part about being a multi-passionate clinician is most physicians I know have so much talent in so many different areas. And thank goodness for places like Seek for, you know, learning about other careers that you can do and working with coaches like yourself or, or, you know, just learning all the different ways you can use your skills is exciting because then suddenly you have all this energy inside, even, even if you stay in the same career and you back down to less hours, the amount of happiness 
is priceless, you know? Um, and I think the physicians that, you know, work with us all understand after you start to, you know, stop drinking that Kool-Aid maybe and take a break, take a pause and, and, you know, find out what it feels like again to inhabit your body. Cause we're all egos on a stick. We're all like, you know, like you said, we're just, you know, meat skeletons walking around trying to do our best. And sometimes having that pause is so medicinal. It is. It's truly, um, it's, allows us, I think, to enjoy. It makes space for joy again. Oh, I love that. Make space for joy. That's so true. It's having that blank canvas to write on, you know, and, and this is the sad part that is something that's unavoidable. You're an exception. I mean, going to medical school at 35, that's fantastic. You had a lot of wisdom underneath your belt, but you know, you're still at the same risk as all of us to have burnout, right? It's, it's a really dicey career to, to survive without burnout. That's my whole motto is let's normalize it. It's not if, but when, and learn to recognize it, learn to open conversations to have this as part of this awareness in our culture. And as you're moving through, you know, it catches us at the most perfectionistic thinking times. We have we we assign our self-worth based on how good our patients are doing or how how you know responsible we are and how many pagers on our belt can we carry at once. And you know, and I don't know, do you agree? Do you think that like being in medical school tends to attract a lot of us that are maybe a little bit stuck in some codependent thought patterns. Well, it's certainly, um, people who get accepted into med school are people who work hard mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and have high levels of grit and deny their, their own needs at points to, uh, for immediate needs to, for the long-term gain. Right. And so physicians are a self-selected group. <laughs> Um, And then so, so much of our behavior is the culture of medicine really shapes our, our behavior and reinforces some maladaptive patterns. And I often feel like it's fish swimming in the ocean with the culture of medicine. We don't even recognize because it's like a fish swimming in water. You don't see the water and all of us, um, particularly for, I think people who were in medicine, right in, right in their twenties and those earlier developmental stages, like, well, this is truly all, you know, um, as, as adults. Um, but even those of us who went to medicine, went into medicine later, um, yeah, it's just kind of the culture we live in. So we'd be able to step back and say, wait a minute, it's time for the culture to change. We are changing the culture of medicine. There's no question. And, um, into one, I think that is much more sustainable and, and better for everyone. When, when we talk about the quadruple aim, it's not just about delivering good patient care that's effective and affordable, but, you know, physician well-being and, and even beyond that clinician well-being, our whole teams that, that deliver care, um, that has to be an integral part of it, which means that the culture needs to shift. The whole, like how we're showing up and, and caring for others has to shift, which, which is wonderful because it allows, I think then it's like, it allows us to be human beings rather than just kind of robots who are running around hurriedly trying to click the boxes and, and close the chart and move out of that patient. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it is shifting. I feel like this is the dark ages, honestly, because, you know, at some of the conferences I've been at, seeing the potential of technology and AI, you know, like literally like having a Siri in your room with you that just sort of scribes your notes is incredible. And I feel like we're just sort of in that brink of discomfort with the dark ages of technology where too many of us maybe aren't fast at typing or not comfortable at dictating, you know, there's still that crunch. 
And eventually, I, I just have optimism that with people like you and the legions of coaches out there, that all of us are, are raising that, that vibration if we get a little new age, but that awareness of the culture needs to change. And although we can't change that culture overnight, it won't change in our lifetime. We're part of that change in the forward edge. And the more one-on-one -on -one physicians that you coach and the more one-on-one -on -one and you know groups that I'm involved in as well, all of us doing similar work, we're changing the language, the language that we use with each other, the language that we use with ourselves in our own limbic system. And I just love that you're providing this platform. You even have a chief wellness officer certification. Tell me about that. Yeah, it's really, it's just been a true joy to be able to develop this. Um, the Institute for Physician Wellness, we focus on coaching, individual and group coaching. We focus on our retreats, but then we also have this whole division that's just Chief Wellness Officer Training Certification Program. And it, it came about many years ago, actually. Um, I, so many physicians who had worked with me or had been at a retreat said, well, this is great, but how do I bring this back to my organization, right? How do I change my organization? And, and of course, I didn't have a great answer for that. Um, but I certainly have thought a lot about it. Like, how do we make those bigger organizational change? So you and your audience likely know that the World Health Organization declared burnout a work, workplace phenomena. It's not because we're broken and need to do more yoga as much as I love yoga and meditation. It's not like it. It's really about this organizational problem. And we need to also include in the solution, we also need to include organizational change. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we've developed it's been years and years in development, um, and we've been offering this now just over one year, um, our chief wellness officer training and certification program, which allows physicians who are interested in being in leadership in their organizations to get the training to understand in a very sophisticated way, the lay of the land, what's the research, who's doing what what has been attempted, what's working, what's not working, what is the re like what does the research show? Yes. And how can we take that? How do we um align with the C-suite and create, if it's not already created, a C-suite position um that has funding and support that can be effective in making meaningful, measurable, sustainable changes at the organizational level. Ooh, that and is so go ahead, keep going, keep going. The National Academy of Medicine in March um, had announced that every organization, which is truly is blows me away, that they actually um, came out and said this publicly, that every organization should have a chief wellness officer or someone similarly trained in that role to be directing the efforts to make systemic, sustainable, like meaningful change in organizations. Um, so it's super exciting to be able to help physicians step into that leadership role and to know and to see the impact. Like, it's just, it's just so incredible to be able to be a part of all of that and, and see the ripple effect of all of that. Super fun. Yes, it is exciting because a CWO, you know, chief wellness officer has been a name that's been around for years, but really has taken hold and the traction is starting to be there because you know, nothing's changing right now, you know, overall, but we're seeing that, okay, we're getting a lot more awareness into this and having a chief wellness officer that understands research. Like I, one of my favorite little pieces of research I remember from the conference last uh, winter was 
more self-compassion leads to better leadership, leads to less burnout. And I thought, wow, what a simple thing that almost sounds too good to be true. But really, when you measure self-compassion and you can teach self-compassion, teach, you know, you can hold yourself in a state of grace and just permission. And I love that word, permission to be human, that your level of leadership rises, the culture feels better. And it's just this wonderful contagiousness of just being human and and less burned out, which is phenomenal. This is so incredible. I am so excited to have you on this. Where can people find out more about the chief wellness officer, your retreats? Tell us more where people can connect with you. So probably the best way to access me is through the website, the Institute for Physician Wellness.com. And uh, there's, if you search around the website, there's all different, there's information about all the different programs we offer and then information about how to connect with me in particular um, or to sign up for one of our programs. I love it. And you said your program, your next one's in Arizona. Can you give us Mm -hmm. a example of what they might be walking into? Is this like breakout groups? Are they, you know, um, doing yoga? I assume some nice downtime. (laughs) What other things do they get to do? So the, um, this retreat is going to be much smaller. Our retreats have varied in size and sometimes they get big and it doesn't feel like much of a retreat. So I decided about a year ago to do some shifting of, of the programming we were putting together. This retreat will be limited to 20 physicians and we'll have time together to do some workshop, um, coaching, skill development, and then um, also have time for more restorative activities. People have the chance to um, go do their own thing. Uh, some people are introverts like myself. <laughs> Other people are more extroverted and want to do it all. And that's all good. Like wherever people are at um, to be able to just design a couple of days um, for themselves. And then also community time where we'll be coming together in the evenings for group discussions, group coaching. Uh, things like that. So um, I, my intention with this retreat is that when people walk away, they're truly feeling like this wasn't a girl's weekend at a spa, This, which is great, right? We should all do that if we want to. Um, but this is really at a deeper level, um, a reset, ability to recharge, kind of reconnect with ourselves and that relationship with ourselves at this stage in life. That's beautiful. Yes. I think those are the marks of those best retreats, Kathy. I'm glad that you sound like you've thought it all. You've got a little bit of something for people that want to kind of venture out on their own, but then there's that, like you said, restorative activities and, you know, being involved in a lot of retreats myself, it always makes me feel a little empty when you don't walk away with those actionable tips. And I love that you're like, we have workshops, we have these skills, you know, times where you get to to kind of go deeper into yourself, because that's truly where that transformation lies is, you know, walking away from a beautiful weekend away, you're going to be faced with reality soon. And that's so awesome that you're providing real change for participants. I'm so it glad. Is. I- Thank you. I love that. I I think it's important. And and sometimes just a weekend getaway with girlfriends is what people need. These retreats are different, right? This, I want people to be able to go home, experiencing growth and development, experiencing community, connection, healing, transformation, even. Um, So there is a sense of, wow, this was time well spent. This was so worth the effort to invest in my well-being. 
and I've got some actionable steps moving forward. And, um, and also that they understand that coaching is available to them individually or as a group coming out of a retreat. It's not just like, yes. okay, well, good, good luck then. <laughs> right, right. I mean, and you know, when you look at studies, even with creative activities, the, the effect of that well-being lasts long after that activity is done, similar to retreats, you're going to feel this sense of, oh, you know, I feel so changed. Well, that's going to, that half-life diminishes as you get back to Epic and the charts and the inbox. So I love that you've baked in there, you know, here's opportunities to continue this supportive care. Here's opportunities to reconnect. And, and you've, you've convinced people that you're, you're worth spending time on and giving two of my favorite words, permission. And is this sufficient, right? I mean, treat work. Are you doing a sufficient enough job? It does not have to be perfect. And giving yourself permission to allow having fun and creativity and play back in your life is so important. So thank you so much, Dr. Kathy. I am so thrilled. And I know we're going to, I'm going to keep having a little girl crush on you on LinkedIn and online. And my, my 50% introvert salutes the 50, the introverted view. I'm an ambivert. So I like a little bit of both. I'd be the type that would love to, to go and communicate and, and then go back into my little hidey hole for a bit and, and recharge. I'm sure you can, you can probably understand the same feeling, right? <laughs> I can. And, and I love that there's room for all of that, right? Like we get to show up fully human, truly as we are, and just acknowledge and embrace and honor that with curiosity and compassion and, and joy. I love this. Okay. In conclusion, before I let you go, I always have some kind of spin on a creative question and you aren't given any prep work, but don't worry, there's no right or wrong answer. Um, I would like to ask, what is your current surprisingly creative obsession. Do you have anything new that's piquing your curiosity, whether you want to learn all about reptiles or you're learning a new hobby, you want to play pool? Um, is there anything that's kind of occupying your creative space in your brain right now? Well, yes. And it's interesting because I wouldn't necessarily name this as creative. Like I'm learning to relearning to play piano and do other creative things. I love to write things like that. But what's creative in a different way is that I have been recovering from some surgeries, some orthopedic surgeries that's kind of kept me sidelined for a while, quite a, quite a while. And as I'm now reaching a new threshold, I'm able to take tennis lessons and play tennis um, more frequently. So here I am as an adult learning a brand new activity. Oh. Um, I, I tried to start learning it about five or six years ago and then had to stop because of my orthopedic issue. But um, but now I'm well enough to actually um, start playing tennis again regularly. And it is so fun. And it's really fun to also not have any idea of what I'm doing. I'm totally yes. beginner's mind, right? Like, it's like, I'm brand new. At this. I love this, <laughs> like, Kathy. Yes. <laughs> oh, the beginner's mind. I wish I could prescribe that to anybody because like starting something brand new is so scary, but so fun when you see yourself getting better, you know, that's it awesome. Is. It's it is scary. And it is, I actually had to ask my son and one of the other adults how to hold the racket. <laughs> and the embarrassing part, I had to ask them more than once. I'm like, how does that go again? Oh girl, like completely. <laughs> Seriously. I, I had, a, I had a fit of inspiration. You can ask my husband six years ago. I thought, you know what? I want to learn tennis with you. We're both new. We're both newbies. We can do this together. It will be a bonding experience. I signed us up at our summer park and rec class and he's the control group. 
And I never got better and he got better and he did well. And finally I'm like, you know, honey, it's just not my thing, you know, but it's cute to see like people trying. And and I just took up a different thing. I went and did jump rope, but still, I think it's awesome to, to learn something new. And yeah, I, I will not be giving you any tennis tips at all. I don't even know how to hold the racket either. So I'm, I'm aiming for pickleball. If I can be like a little old lady playing pickleball, I think that's good enough for me. <laughs> oh, well, well, thank you is- for your, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It is super fun to be learning new things and, and tap into that creativity at all all different stages of our lives. Yes, you're an inspiration. Thank you for uh, being very gracious to all my interruptions. I could talk to you for a long time, I know. And I just got so excited. Um, you have so much gold in this interview. And to all of our listeners, please look for Kathy at the Institute for Physician Wellness. Did I say that correctly? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will put all of her links in the show notes. And everybody keep coloring outside the lines and you deserve taking time for yourself. You deserve that wellness, the joy and the play and creativity that lies within the art of medicine. And until next time, keep catalyzing your own future. And thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing to the Catalyst podcast. Listen, I'm a physician who survived my own burnout by prescribing creativity. And now I teach others how to apply the neuroscience of flow to redesign their work-life masterpiece in a world where burnout will always exist. I'm excited to announce that tapping into creativity and flow does take practice, but guess what? I've got the method and I have a virtual five-day boot camp starting January 23rd to teach the highlights of this three-step system. Each day we will cover essentials. It's only 30 minutes a day. All of the sessions are on Zoom. They are all recorded and you will have a downloadable playbook to jumpstart your creativity. You'll have a clear understanding of the neuroscience of burnout and flow. We'll give you a personalized burnout assessment. You'll identify your core values. So your decision-making will be a snap. You're going to learn neuroscience-based time management, cortisol-busting methods, and evidence-based exercises to prime your parasympathetic calm. You'll learn about boundaries and strategies that spark energy, as well as future-proofing strategies to keep balance in check. And finally, you will get a personalized flow recipe. This is only $59 for five days, 30 minutes a day. And if you use the coupon code PODCAST, you will get 10% off this introductory price. This is just the beginning of my mission to continue teaching 1 million healthcare practitioners how to tap into their own creative flow. So make sure you click the link in the bio or drlarasalier.com forward slash links and register for the five-day anti-burnout bootcamp and use the coupon code podcast for 10% off. Until next time, keep coloring outside the lines.